powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. You can play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hey Canucks fans, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver here on the SDPN Network, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. I am so thrilled that you're with me on a Early Sunday evening, middle Sunday evening, if you're back east. My name is Clay Emo. I'm Canuck Clay right here on YouTube. And right away, I encourage you to like this video, to subscribe to this channel, SDPN. We cover all seven Canadian teams with post-game shows after all seven of these teams' games. So you can follow, yes, like I said, like the video, subscribe to SDPN. If you want, you can also subscribe to me as well. I'm Canuck Clay right here on YouTube and on Twitter as well. I am riding solo tonight, but just like the Canucks, I'm going back-to-back this weekend. And I wouldn't say that I'm a good luck charm, but uh, the Canucks seem to win more more than they lose when I'm hosting these shows. Maybe it's because I've been hosting more of these shows in the past than the final third of the season. But with the Canucks, 4-2 win. It's my favorite score. 4-2 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. The Canucks are now... 16, 9, and 2 under Rick Tockett. That's 16, 9, and 2 since Tockett was hired as the coach in January 22nd, 2023, of course. 16, 9, and 2. That's seven games over 500. 16 subtract 9. Take away the 2. Don't worry about that. And if you extrapolate that over a full 82-game schedule, the Canucks are playing at a 103-point pace. So 103 points obviously gets you probably second place in your division. Obviously, you're right in the playoffs. And before you, you know, some of you say, well, deja vu, this is exactly what happened last year, Groundhog Day, all those jokes. I just kind of feel that this team's different than last year, the team under Bruce Boudreau. But I'll save that for the second segment. So this is what I'm going to do today. We're going to do about a 35 to 40 minute show for the first segment. For 10 to 15 minutes, I'll break down today's game. For the second segment, I'm going to talk about all the positive signs I've seen that that lead me to believe that this kind of run, this kind of bump, new coach bump, I feel that it is a little bit different than last season. I'll talk about, obviously, Quinn Hughes' record-breaking performance as well and, and a couple other factors. So that will be the second segment. And the third segment, much like I could do on my own live streams, my own shows, I will turn it over to you for some quick Q&A, but we'll save uh, some of those questions from my own live stream later tonight so let's get right to it i'll go for the first little bit but you're welcome to chat with each other in the chat section you're welcome to ask each other the question ask, ask each other questions answer each other's questions but i will certainly get to some of your questions near the tail end of the stream as well uh, thanks to everyone for being here with your my regular viewers on my own youtube channel or you're brand new to me or to game over Thank you for being here. See a lot of familiar names already, Carol and Fangirl and Derek. But please, uh, don't wait for me. Continue to interact with each other in 
the chat section. This was a bit of a boring game, admit. And I was thinking in the third period when it was still 1-1. So halfway through the third, it was still 1-1. I was saying, man, I sure hope something exciting happens. Otherwise, I'm not going to have a lot to talk about aside from maybe Hughes breaking the record for most points by a Canucks defenseman, which I'll get to in the second segment. But then we are treated to four more goals in the third period, almost a fight, which wasn't a fight, which led to one of the Canucks goals. So let's get to all of it right now. So the Canucks were coming off a back-to-back. They beat Dallas yesterday, as they always do. Chicago coming off a back-to-back, which is strange because that first game of the back-to-back was actually on the road. So Canucks got lucky here. Chicago had played five straight road games and then... That's one thing, five straight road games. That's fine. You always got to come back from a road trip eventually. But you usually don't have to play the night after you play your final road game of that trip. So yes, Chicago was on a back-to-back as well. So uh, and I, I don't know who they played yesterday. So I don't know if they were even more tired than the Canucks were. Regardless, it was a battle of two teams playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. And it certainly looked like it for the first... Well, it looked like it for the whole game. I think the Canucks were just better than the Blackhawks because, as I've always said, uh, the Canucks can't tank. Even when the Canucks play average, their high-end players, i.e. Pedersen and Hughes, are much better than a lot of these other teams' high-end players, i.e. the Chicago's, the San Jose's, the Anaheim's, the Columbus's. That's why the Canucks are, are higher than these teams in the standings. So Connor Murphy... The namesake of an actor in one of my favorite musicals, Dear Evan Hansen, he scores in the first period and is a shorthanded goal. So the Canucks, on one hand, they don't give up a power play goal to Chicago, but they still give up a lot of shorthanded goals. They score a lot of shorthanded goals, but they give a lot of give up a lot of shorthanded goals. And this was Connor Murphy. It was former Canuck Jason Dickinson doing some good work behind the net, getting the puck out to the point. And I'm not sure if Delia thought that someone was going to pick him up or if he just simply wasn't expecting a shot against on a power play, but it gets through everyone, including Delia, kind of a soft goal. I I think Delia could have saved it. Again, I truly think he wasn't expecting it and, or he may have gotten screened momentarily. So Connor Murphy, sixth of the season, puts the Blackhawks up with four minutes remaining in the first. In the second period, we get all the way to the end of the second period, but with 17 seconds left, it is Phil DiGiuseppe who scores um, uh, a bit of a fluky goal. The Canucks held possession. It went Hughes to Miller to DiGiuseppe. DiGiuseppe was trying to center the puck to Brock Besser across the crease, but instead it goes off a Chicago Blackhawks def- uh, defenseman and into the net. And now it's 1-1. So not only was it an important goal for the Canucks to tie up the game, but more importantly, it was Quinn Hughes' 69th point of the season five goals 64 assists so those 69 points now are the highest ever for a canucks defenseman in a season and quinn hughes breaks the record held by quinn hughes yes he broke his own record of 68 points that was set last season so with nine more games to go you figure he can add another anywhere between five and nine points to that total so once again quinn hughes 69 points on the season breaking his own record for most Canucks uh, defenseman points in a season. Now, what's re- important about this, if DiGiuseppe's pass got over to Brock Besser and Besser tipped it in, then actually Hughes wouldn't have got that assist because he got the second assist on that one. Miller got the first assist. But doesn't matter in the end. It's 1-1 and Hughes has his record. Third period, 
Uh, not a lot of urgency, despite it being a game up for grabs. And then Pedersen takes over, scoring two goals in 63 seconds. The first one, it was a uh, Reichel, who was uh, very noticeable for the Blackhawks. He's actually a really good player. He was uh, yeah, 17 minutes, five um, five shots in goal. But yeah, Lucas Reichel, the youngster, 20 years old, he had a really good uh, he had a really good outing actually, and he was noticeable so much so that Dakota Joshua decided to put him on his butt with a big, clean, open ice check in the in the neutral zone. So, of course, as it is in the NHL, then a Blackhawks tough guy has to come over and challenge Joshua to a fight. And this was, I don't know if he's a tough guy. He's a big guy, though, six foot three. Mackenzie Entwistle. The Blackhawks have some really interesting last names, I was thinking about. But Mackenzie Entwistle comes over and tries to enter into a fight with Dakota Joshua. Joshua kind of stands up to him because he's just as big, stares him down. But to Joshua's credit, he does not engage in fisticuffs. Because he knew, I could see, he could probably see out of the corner of his eye that uh, the Canucks had control of the puck and were entering the Blackhawk zone. Sure enough, it's Kuzmenko who gives it to Bear. Bear and Petey with a, uh, a mini two-on-one. Bear gets it across and Petey stuffs it in. Pass Mrazek. A really nice goal. Really smart play. And I said that the third assist should go to Dakota Joshua and uh, for not engaging in that fight because then the whistle would have blown and the Canucks would have given up that great scoring chance. So PD scores, and now the Canucks are up 2-1. And you're thinking, you know, against a, a pretty weak Blackhawks team, that might be enough to win the game. But no, PD says that's not enough, and the Canucks get a power play. And then on that power play, PD scores again. Now, what I liked about this goal is all five Canucks skaters touch the puck in a span of five seconds to, to score the goal to be uh, so but they don't give out third and fourth assists Miller and Hughes were going back and forth on the point Miller gives it to Hughes Hughes shoots it Besser tips it it goes off of Kuzmenko's foot and then it's rolling across the line it might have had enough momentum but PD makes sure so uh, reverse order PD scored off of Kuzmenko's foot that went off of Besser's stick that went off of Hughes's point shot off a pass from Miller. So like I said, all five score uh, skaters were in on that play. And that was the first power play where they took Philip Hronik off. It wasn't Hronik's fault. They weren't clicking. But the Canucks, I, I, maybe they're overthinking it. They try to get uh, two defensemen on their first unit, Hughes and Hronik, and then leaving Besser, Miller, and Petey up front. But in the two power plays prior to this, wasn't really clicking. I, I think Hronik, uh, not in no man's land, but he was kind of over on the left, but that took away... Uh, a lot of Miller's creativity over there. So uh, move Hronik off, and lo and behold, the Canucks score early on that power play. Again, only a minute and three seconds after the, the former goal. So PD scores twice in basically a minute, and you think the Canucks are, are home clear, home free. Then the aforementioned Lucas Reichel, he scores, and it was a, a, a point shot from Jones, with the Blackhawks net empty. And it, it bounced off a couple of guys. I think uh, Anthony C. may have touched it. And of course, Lucas Reichel must, must have touched it because it went in past Delia. I think Delia was trying to gather the puck as Reichel was putting it in. So now with two minutes left, it's only a one goal game, 3-2. But with the net empty, no, it wasn't Petey getting the empty netter. 
It was Brock Besser making a solid play along the boards, showing a lot of confidence, a lot of poise. He didn't pass it up. He didn't risk getting intercepted going the other way. He just held on to it for an extra second and then whipped the puck into the empty net to score his 15th of the season. He scores two or three more, then he's closer to 20 as he is to 15, and then the season is not lost. In fact, I've talked about how Brock Besser has had a decent season anyways. So those were the goals, the six goals, four of the six goals coming in the last eight minutes of the game. You look at the stats overall, it couldn't be really any more even. The shots and goal, 31-31. Face-off percentage, 50-50. Power plays, Canucks 1 for 3, Chicago 0 for 3. Penalty minutes, 6 apiece. Hits, Canucks are 21, Blackhawks are 24. Block shots, 19-11 for Chicago. Giveaways, 18-6 to 6 for Chicago. So that one's a little bit bigger. And then you look at the Canucks stats. Besser has his two-point game. And then Pedersen has a two-point game. And Kuzmenko. So Petey with two goals, Kuzmenko with two assists. Besser with one and one. And those are your players that had two-point outings, along with Ethan Bear, a quiet two assists for Ethan Bear. Then single points, Miller with an assist, DiGiuseppe with a goal, and Quinn Hughes with an assist. Not a lot in the plus-minus. No one was more or less than a plus-one or a negative one. You have shots on goal. High man for the Canucks was seven for Pedersen, followed by Hughes with four. And then from a hit standpoint, you have Dakota Joshua with four hits leading the club and then block shots. The most was Joshua again, the three. So Joshua, no points, but uh, a really good outing. He was plus one because he was on the ice getting challenged by Entwistle, but he did not drop the uh, drop the gloves. He had one shot and a goal, four hits, three block shots. So uh, in 14 minutes of ice time. In fact, um, no Canuck had less than 10 minutes of ice time. The closest would be Aiden McDonough. Now Aiden McDonough, recent uh, draft pick, from a few years ago, recently signed to a two-year contract, made his debut tonight. Ten minutes of ice time. He won all the faceoffs he took. I think it was only one, the opening faceoff, and uh, not a lot on the stat sheet. One shot and goal, two hits. So a couple of things that you notice about McDonough is decent size. He's six foot three, so he looks uh, doesn't look small out there for sure. And um, I think his, his skating was fine. He didn't get a chance to show his uh, his big shot. And um, first game, so I'm certainly not going to go too hard on him, but a couple of giveaways. He wasn't accredited with any giveaways, but a couple of times where he did not um, get the puck out of the zone. Again, not a big deal, but um, I thought for a debut, not bad. And uh, I can already see some people, I haven't thought of this yet, but maybe you're going to have to weigh his effectiveness against Kratsov's effectiveness, um, for example. And Kratsov was a healthy scratch, Podkolzin was also out, but uh, that's not so much healthy as he is injured, whether it's a hand or a wrist, and differing um, reports whether it was a slash in the Dallas game or a puck to his hand. Whatever it is, the two Russians sat, and then it was Aiden McDonough and Jack Studnika that came in for them. So overall, a solid, if not unspectacular, 4-2 victory for the Vancouver Canucks, their second straight win. And like I said, they're, they're, I think they're still 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, which is still pretty impressive. And like and as I mentioned, 16-9-2 and two under Rick Tockett. So let's talk about this team now. And yes, I know the Canucks, there's a similar feeling 
last season around this time when the Canucks played well under Bruce Boudreau and were pushing for a late playoff spot. This year, I don't see it happening. I know there's a bit of chat in the in the um there's a bit of discussion in the chat whether the Canucks can make the playoffs still. You guys, it's gonna be very tough. Even if they win all their games, their nine remaining games, that would bring them to um they're at 73 points now. 73 points. So if they won all nine of their games, it would bring them to 18. It would bring them to 91 points. And 91 points is only 91 divided by 164. It's only a winning percentage of 555. Right now, the Winnipeg Jets in the final spot have a winning percentage, a points percentage of 574. So it would somehow mean that the Canucks leapfrog Nashville, who will have a couple games in hand, Calgary, and Winnipeg. So as positive as I am, I'm certainly not counting it for the season. I, th- I don't think they're mathematically eliminated just yet, but I don't see it happening. But let's give credit where credit is due. The Canucks are playing well. And yes, as Irwin mentioned, the Canucks are now battled up to 500. They're 34, 34, and 5. When when you think about 500, you just knock off the, the extra points, the 5. So it's 34 and 34. Same wins as losses, 73 points in 73 games. The thing is, to make the playoffs, you usually need to be about 12 games over 500. Um, and that's about the 94 points because 12 over 82 is 94. And the Canucks can only max out at 91. So as good as this run has been, let's not um, get too excited over it. But that's not to say that there aren't beating good teams. Yes, Chicago's not a great team. San Jose and Anaheim are not good teams. But the Canucks have beat some decent teams in Dallas, in Toronto, in LA. So they're beating playoff teams as well. But um, So I, I think that's the first argument one would make when I say, man, I'm positive about next season. Not just because I'm the king of positivity, but because I'm seeing enough uh, good things tonight, enough good things in the past 10 to 15 games, where I think as long as the Canucks um, come out of the shoot healthy and playing well, that they have a chance to contend. Because I, I think you'd agree with me, it's pretty frustrating when you're already at the end of November or start of December, and the Canucks are already out of a playoff spot, which is quite... Uh, which is quite maddening for sure. Yes, Erwin, I mentioned the 69-2 under Tockett at 103-point pace over an 82-game season. Now, for the Canucks to do well next season, this well, and remember they're doing it right now without a few key players. Up front, they're missing Ilya Mikheyev and they're missing Tanner Pearson. Those are the big ones up front that you call regular players you have pod colson who's out um hopefully not too long and then so pod colson kratzov was a healthy scratch but really mckayev and pearson are out then on the blue line you're missing oliver ekman larson and i know a lot of people um were looking at jack rathbone and christian willan and saying oh you know the connects have actually been being good without without uh oil but still oil it sounds like he, he's up for a re, he really wants to rebound next year. So you're missing OEL. You're missing Travis Dermott, who n- not sure if the Canucks are going to re-sign him as an RFA. Tucker Pullman has not played a single game this season. 
So you have all those, um, all those kind of considerations as well. Is is we're doing this without all those players, but I, I think there's about four or five things that have to happen next season for the Canucks to do so well out of the gate. Number one, they got to be healthy, especially at their key positions. God forbid something happens to uh, Kuzmenko, Miller, Pedersen, or Hughes, or, or Demko. So number one, they got to be healthy. Number two, and it kind of goes with the same thing, Thatcher Demko has not only A, got to be healthy, but B, has to be playing up to his level. And I think um, those are the two main things for next season is overall health and then Thatcher Demko on top of his game. Number three, I think if you can in, even in yeah just involve in, in improve the penalty kill, and the Canucks have definitely improved under Rick Tog. I still don't like how they give up shorthanded goals, but but that's on, when they're on the power play. When they're on the penalty kill, they've they've done enough to somehow to somehow move their penalty kill over seventy percent in the in the entire league. 70%. It's not great. Yes, I'm looking. They are now at 70.4. They are still dead last in the league, but at least they are at 70.4. Actually, it probably went up a tiny bit more tonight because this isn't updated. But yeah, so they're over the 70% mark. And I saw a stat by TSN that said this could be the first time in history that a team could lead the league in shorthanded goals, yet also be the worst team in the league when it comes to penalty kill percentage. That would be very impressive, actually, to, to have that feat. So the Canucks could very well do that. So those are three things off the top of my head that I think have to go well for the team next year. And then that is health overall, a good start to Thatcher Demko, and a good start for their penalty kill. Now, obviously, you can say a lot of other things is everyone else got to be healthy and you got to get secondary scoring and the defense can't be a train wreck like it was at the start of the season, of course. And those are all factors as well. But I think those are all secondary to me to the three that I just mentioned. Good health, Thatcher Demko on top of his game. And what was my third one? Oh, yeah. And then uh, better special teams from the start of the season. So as we go, you know, as we go to the last little bit of this show, we'd love to take questions from some of you and tell me, tell me quite honestly, if you share my optimism, do you share my optimism for, Oh, by the way, before I get to that really quickly is uh, now when you look at the stats for the Canucks, Pedersen has 93 points in 71 games. So he missed one, or he missed two, actually. So in he's got 93. So he's got to get seven points in the final nine games to break 100. I think he'll do that. JT Miller, also uh, over a point-per-game player as well. He could finish with over 80 points, which would be still a good season for him. Quinn Hughes, 69 points in 69 games because he's missed a few. Um, so that's also very impressive. And Kuzmenko now has 66 points in 72. So he'll just finish with just under a point per game. But those four guys... Really, really good performers and and a big reason why the Canucks are playing so well. And I, you know, I can't believe I got through 24 minutes without mentioning Colin Delia. Colin Delia played well as well and uh, kind of leads into my uh, a good first question from Irwin. Irwin saying, 
Do we have the right goalies to back up and support Demko to have a lighter season load with injury insurance if he goes down? So Colin Delia is a UFA. He's a UFA, and I think you can generally find some someone that can do what Delia does. There's a lot of goalies like him. Spencer Martin still has one more, um, one more uh, year under his contract. So I think they're going to give him a chance to battle for the backup job with another veteran goalie they'll bring in, whether it's Delia or someone else behind Demko. And then I think I think they want Seelovs to play one more year in Abbotsford. So that's my guess about the goaltending situation. Fangirl, thank you for your question. I actually spoke about Aiden McDonough at length about five minutes ago. So I won't repeat myself, but I will say that I thought he was okay for a first game. Uh, 10 minutes worth, so not bad. Irwin says, Hughes has beat his own franchise record of D points in the season. Yes, I also mentioned that as well, um, that he, um, with 69 points, he broke his own record of 68 points. So he will definitely probably hold that record forever as a Canucks defenseman. It'll be him who holds it, whether it's 69 points, 73 points. He, he might not necessarily break it every single year, but I think he will certainly be the one to break it, if that makes sense. I'm, what I'm saying is, I, there's no guarantee that he's gonna he's gonna increase every single year. But it's a, certainly a great start after only five years in the league. Well, hey guys, uh, thank you, Fangirl. Thank you, Irwin. Open to any other questions right now for the last five minutes or so. Do you share my optimism um, for next season? Do you agree with me that this feels a little bit different than last year's run where last year's run, they were uh, they're relying very heavily on Thatcher Demko heroics. And there's a different vibe around the team last year because there's such a, uh, a really uh, uh, such a good feel around Boudreaux and such a, a stark contrast in mood to Travis Green where this year, because people love Bruce Boudreaux so much, it almost took a while for Rick Tockett to be accepted. But I also think that he's uh, forging his own identity and doing a really good job as well. So let me do, uh, no, let me do, let me know what you think. Do you share my optimism? Do you see any differences? And for you, what are the important things coming out of the gate for next season for the Canucks to start off really well? Fangirl asked, do we trade Spencer Martin? I don't think so, Fangirl. I don't, there's no market for him. Because he struggled so badly this season, you're basically you're not going to get anything for him. So I think the smarter play is let him do uh let him do the playoff run in Abbotsford with Seelovs. Let's see how he what kind of work he puts in over the summer. And let's see how he comes back in, in training camp next season. Because I fully expect it to be him. Um, battling with one other goaltender to back up Thatcher Demko, whether it's Delia or another veteran. And like I mentioned, I think they're going to keep Arthur Seelovs Arthur in Abbotsford for one more season in the AHL. So um, no fangirl, I do not think we trade Spencer Martin because I simply do not think that there's going to be a market for him. You're basically going to be giving him away for free, which is not good asset management. Okay, friends, as we're waiting here for a last bit of questions, let's make sure there's uh, 30 of you in here, which is awesome, but there's only five likes. 
Let's bump that up for sure. Let's bump that up. Um, we got to get at least over 10 likes because we, we if you guys are Canucks fans. You got to be happy that the Canucks won and that they're playing well right now. You got to be happy that PD got two goals and that Quinn Hughes broke yet another record. Irwin says, is Besser gone in the offseason? This is a tricky one, Irwin, because we know the tough part about Besser is his contract. He's got two more years at six point. Six five million dollars. That's that's not cheap. And then you might say, man, the guy only has fifteen goals this season. But then you also look. Not only does he have fifteen goals, but he's got thirty four assists. So he's at his forty nine points in sixty five games. Forty nine divided by sixty five is point seven five points per game. His career average coming into the season was point seven nine points per game so he's really right on track he's right on his career average for points per game i think it's because most of his points are assists as opposed to goals that's maybe why we might think he's a bit of a disappointment we know the stories of his agents being given permission to seek a trade we know the canucks have a lot of forwards and especially a lot of wingers kuzmenko Parkosin, makayev besser Garland, Beauvillier, Kratsov, just to name a few. Um, so there, there's a lot of guys there, uh, and there's a lot of guys there, and one would say, one could argue that both Brock Besser and Connor Garland are, one of them are expendable. Maybe not both. Uh, for me, I keep Besser over Garland, but I do think it's going to be harder to keep Besser, or harder to trade Besser, because he makes uh, almost $2 million more than Garland a year. Great question, Erwin. Um, let me know what you guys think in the chat. Do you guys think Besser is gone in the offseason? All right, friends, got time for two more questions, two or three more questions, if there are any in the chat. Yeah, Erwin says it's going to be a competitive forward mosh pit. I agree. I would really love the Canucks to... Um, to get more centers and to trade for a third line center. I'm, I'm fine with Niels Oman being our fourth line center. I'm not sure if I'm completely comfortable with him being our third line center. And speaking of centers, the Canucks did sign a college free agent today. Um, so we'll he signed him to a two-year entry-level contract. So I wouldn't expect this guy to be on the team right away. But they indeed signed Max Sasson to... Um, a two-year entry-level deal, and he'll report to Abbotsford. And it sounds like the Canucks are closing in on another college free agent, a Japanese guy named Hiroshi. So we'll see if that happens in the next couple of days as well. Carol says, Clay, I do share your optimism. I also think that it's taking forever to get healthier and a better defense. We can go farther than next uh, than this year. Yes, I agree. A better defense, a healthier defense. I'd say a better defense and a healthier team would go a long way. I agree. And Carol, by the way, Carol, it's our next members chat on my channel tonight. It's at uh, nine o'clock on Zoom. I'll email you as soon as I'm done here. I'll email you the link. Godly John says, do you see Demko moving? I don't. I see Demko along with Pedersen and Hughes as the untouchables for the Canucks. You need at least you need at least a superstar, a really elite player at each position. And in Demko, Hughes, and Petey, the Canucks do have one goalie, one forward, one defenseman. So no, I do not see him moving. Andrew, it's no surprise that Besser has had a bit of a down year. 
da- his died dad last year, so that will always be back of his mind. Yeah, I, I I think the Canucks fans really love Brock Besser. They're willing to give him uh, not even the benefit of the doubt. That's not the way of putting it. They 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 can empathize, sympathize with him for sure. He's had a rough go. He's had a rough go, but you still have to match your play to your contract. And there are some fans who say he's not he's not uh, full value for his contract right now. But I'm with you, Andrew. I think I th- uh, Bester's even admit, admitted to being a tough year mentally. So um, you know, I've seen some uh, some strong parts in his game. Maybe he will continue to get better. Erwin Sasson apparently has a Canucks fan in his youth, still a youth, uh, pictured with merch in Instagram. Yes, there's a picture of him vacationing here back in 2010 when he was, I guess, whatever, eight or nine years old. So that, that was a pretty cool to see. Golly, John, I feel bad for him, similar to Gibson. They're both gems locked to sinking ships. Management needs to build a good defensive team. Yeah, um, totally agree about John Gibson. He's such a good goalie, but he's playing such a hor- behind such a horrible defense. And um, I'd say you, there's a similar story there to Thatcher Demko and not just because they're both American goaltenders as well. Friends, I have time for one more question. So the next question, the next, I was going to say the next good question, but then if I skip your question, then you're going to think I thought your question was bad. Regardless, the, the next question I see in the chat will be the final question of the night. And in the meantime, uh, as we wrap up here, I ask you, remind you to subscribe to SDPN, like this video as always, and you can also subscribe to me here on YouTube. I'm at Canuck Clay, and I have the same screen name on Twitter as well. I do nightly live streams five nights a week, Sunday through Thursday, 11 p.m. Pacific time. So it's a little late for anyone not from a Pacific time zone. Except on Sundays tonight where I start half an hour earlier and do an extended stream, I start at 10.30. So I will. Uh, um, I would love to see you guys, invite you guys to join me tonight at 10.30 right here on YouTube, but on my own YouTube channel. Who do I think should be moved first? Uh, I think it should be a forward. And it might be Garland or Besser, actually, even though I, I just talked about how, yeah, it might be one of those two guys because by doing so, you can get off of some cap room. Irwin, prediction for next game. They're in St. Louis. I think the Canucks win. I think the Canucks win. They're, they're hot right now. They win 5-2. to two. And I hope it's Bennington because I love it when we, we light them up. Okay, friends. Thank you for being here tonight. I appreciate you. Once again, on your way out, subscribe to SDPN. Like this video. Subscribe to Canuck Clay. If you want to join me tonight, 10.30 Pacific, I'll be doing the first of my nightly night live streams for this week. The Canucks' next game is on Tuesday. They are playing in St. Louis and Kaya. Kaya will be your host, your hostess with the mostess for that game on Tuesday. So I hope you can join her then for Game Over Vancouver. My next one is actually not until um, Sunday. Next Sunday, I, I seem to be doing the weekend ones, and I'll be doing that one actually from my meetup. And um, I'll share more about that on my channel, my Twitter account in the week to come. So hopefully you can join me for that one. But prior to that, make sure you're here on Tuesday night when Kaya wraps up Canucks versus Jordan Bennington and the St. Louis Blues. So once again, thanks everyone for being here. I appreciate your time. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. 
whatever time you have left. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And, um, you know, sad news, one of my friends, his, his obese parrot passed away today. Yes, his big obese parrot passed away. But he did tell me that it's a huge weight off of his shoulders. Take care and go Canucks go. Good night, everyone. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.